You know, when you begin to think that you know how far down the rabbit hole this stuff all goes, it just it just gets even more profound. We're going to talk here with Reggie Littlejohn, who is a Yale law graduate who got her head together and got red pilled, and we'll talk about that later. I asked her a question about the World Health Organization's power grab. They're still trying to take control of our sovereignty. And I asked her this question and here's the question and her answer. Is it that open-ended that the World Health Organization could come and say, wow, we have a, a, a an epidemic of mental health um, problems because some people don't think the election was fair. Well, I don't, you see, I, I don't think that that's overreaching from what they wanted to do. All right. So on February 7th, I believe it was, the DHS came out with, with a domestic terrorism uh, bulletin where they defined many groups as domestic, domestic terrorists, but among those groups was those who believe in widespread election fraud. The World Health Organization attempts, the, the amendments they're trying to get through our, our Congress, it truly is that open-ended. Reggie Littlejohn joins us exclusively on The Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Times such as these, we have to make a decision. You do it passively or you do it actively. Do make the decision to make sure that you take the Lord's direction, care for your family, make sure you've got your home in order. Be it a cash out refinance or buying a new home, it's AmericanFinancing.net. There are people who spend their lives in battles with evil. I heard an interview with a, a woman who's about to join us who has done just that, spending her life um, in a battle with evil. So it's with great pleasure I welcome to the program Reggie Littlejohn, founder and president of Women's Rights Without Frontiers. Reggie, what an honor to have you on the program. Thank you for coming on. Oh, well, it's an honor to be here, Todd. I'm glad, I'm glad that we can talk. You know, I'm going to just say this because we were chatting briefly. This is me just doing a, a, a warning. I'm not Janet Parshall. I'm not the best interviewer in, in, in radio. So it's going to be a little bit of a step down, but I'll do the very, very best I can. You're <laughs> just too <laughs> humble. That's, you know, that's funny. Sure. I'm known so. for that. Uh, my, <laughs> my audience is uh, well aware of the World Health Organization and, and being part of the UN. Uh, we've talked at length about the World Health Organization's end game and, and worming their way into taking over our sovereignty. But I wanted to start at a little bit different basis. You talked about something called One Health. And certainly if anyone understands this, given your Yale Law degree, the time you spent uh, confronting the Chinese Communist Party, you get this in a way that many miss don't, but what is One Health and why does it tie into what the World Health Organization wants to do with our sovereignty? Well, the World Health Organization is, is defining health as One Health. Now, what that means is that it's extremely broad, okay? So it has two aspects to it. 
it means that our health is not just our physical health. Like uh, we need sanitation. We don't want to have, you know, viral or bacterial pandemics, that kind of thing. But then it goes beyond that to, um, you know, gun violence or climate change that affects health or any number of other things. So this, so that's one aspect of the One Health. Um, the other aspect of the One Health is that it, that includes human health, animal health, plant health, planetary health. So basically, this broad definition of One Health, um, if, for example, the kinds of amendments that the U.S. was, was, was proposing to the World Health Organization, if they were to go through, it would give the World Health Organization and, you know, Mr. Tedros personally, uh, power over every aspect of existence, basically, on Earth. Uh, okay. So that is far bigger than I think most people understand. And, and I didn't know that they were tying everything together that way. It leads me to the mind of this effort that's underway in the court systems to allow uh, left-leaning activists or, or for left-falling-over activists uh, to sue on behalf of fish and rivers so that they appoint themselves the court-appointed um, savior of a river and come in and say, you know, to a court, the river doesn't want boats in it. Uh, so this is, this is a broad movement, but the World Health Organization putting their weight on top of this, um, this takes us to a position where I don't think Americans understand how these pieces come together. You mentioned so-called gun violence. About five years ago, I started to notice that all of a sudden gun violence had become a health issue um, or, or to them, a, a, a public health issue. So with this little hat trick, this little, this little card game they're playing of trying to get our sovereignty, how can they use this? How can they use something so broad um, to attack our sovereignty, let's say, on the, on the topic of guns? Okay, so let's, let's, let's focus in on what the Biden administration tried to do and what happened and what the impact of it would be, because that's the only way I can answer your question. So in January, um, the Biden administration, the Department of Health and Human Services, submitted a series of 13 amendments very quietly to the WHO. These are amendments to a 2005 um, international health regulation. And because these are amendments to regulations, and they, so they're calling them that, they didn't call it a treaty. Because a treaty would have to be approved by two-thirds of the Senate vote. So this way that they were trying to do an end run around the treaty process. And thank God somebody figured out that this was happening in mid-April. And then um, my organization is, you know, I'm also, you said Women's Rights Without Frontiers. I'm also the co-founder of um, Stop Vaccine Passports Task Force. We just raised an alarm with... Um, the uh, a, a massive, wonderful webinar, and then also an, uh, a campaign to inform legislators and the Department of um, Health and Human Services and people of the WHO that we don't want this. Um, and because of that, these amendments were not defeated, okay? What, what happened is they were sort of suspended. So what the Biden administration had tried to do was get these things passed quietly, silently, and then once they were passed, it's like, oh, surprise, you know, your sovereignty is gone. So what, what these amendments would have done, and I, and I have to stress, Todd, that, that they are not gone. Okay, all they are is 
the World Health Organization has appointed another couple of committees to consider these amendments, and they're also inviting other countries to submit other amendments. So we have the American U.S. amendments, and we can have other amendments, and they're going to be reporting back, and then these are going to be voted on in 2024, along with a pandemic treaty, which we haven't discussed. But the point is that if these amendments had passed, what would have happened is they, the amendment they struck from Article 9, the language that says that the World Health Organization has to consult with and obtain verification from the state party in whose territory the health event is occurring. So what it, what it would have done, this is, this is a big sovereignty issue, all right? What, what the amendment would have done striking that is that without the knowledge or consent and the verification of the United States or any other country, okay, the World Health Organization could just move in and, um, and just start implementing whatever they think is the right, uh, the right course of action to deal with this health event. So I, I have a couple things to say about that. It, it's manifestly unconstitutional because the U.S., the federal government, under federalism, they only have the powers that are specifically enumerated in the Constitution, and the other powers go to the state. And there's nothing in the Constitution that says that health care is a power that has been delegated to the federal government. So actually, the federal government does not have the power to give away our sovereignty in that way. That being said, if you have a bunch of globalists in power in the federal government, um, and, and you know if people are compromised and they just don't stand up, um, it can happen anyway, even if it's unconstitutional, because there's no political will to oppose it. So what we've been trying to do is build the political will to oppose it. We've been very successful at, um, at that. Uh, we at the Stop, Stop Back Passports um, Task Force ran a campaign that had hundreds of thousands of actions, and including, you know, you sign up and, and, and you can send an email directly to your representatives, your senator, your um, congressional representatives, um, and, and, and we were doing that. There's other, uh, other groups that were doing that, and, and in a very short period of time, all of a sudden, um, there's a number of bills in the U.S. Senate and the House to oppose this and to say, you know, the U.S. can't just give away our sovereignty to the WHO without the advice and consent of the Senate. So that's what we accomplished. We accomplished that, 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 that we woke up Congress, and, there, and now there is some opposition to this. And so, the, the, so that this attempt um, to subvert the treaty process quietly uh, was not successful. So we're very, very grateful to that. But... Um, Again, you, you asked, how can, how can uh, the WHO move in on the basis of gun violence? Well, it's part of this whole health, this one health concept, that if they see a quote-unquote epidemic of gun violence in the United States, and we've had some horrible shootings lately, um, so, so they would, uh, if, if these amendments had passed, the WHO could just say, you know what, we're moving in to, to um, oppose gun violence and our and what what we've decided that we're going to do is we're going to take guns away from everybody. I mean, I don't know what what they would decide to do, but because of this one health concept, they could take anything. They could take depression, or they could take um, narcotics abuse, you know, uh, drug abuse, 
they could take domestic violence. I mean, you could just say anything that, that they could define that under one health as being a health event or a health concern and just move in and take over. So yes, this would have been an abrogation of our national sovereignty. So Reggie, you're a, you're a Yale law graduate and words mean things. And you guys are taught the arts and science of defining terms and a well-written contract will define terms. Uh, mm-hmm. I have noticed frighteningly in the COVID response that the world went the opposite way. And what really turned me towards this being not about healthcare was when I saw them using the phrase cases with no definition. A case could be a positive PCR test run at, you know, 49 cycles, which would yield 99% false positive, or it could be someone who's sick, but they didn't bother to define it. They never defined uh, who was legitimately at risk from this in the World Health Organization and these amendments and what they're trying to do uh, using your background from Yale Law. Um, have they tried to define terms or have they instead tried to not define terms so that they can then later fill in the meaning? Well, you know, I don't know because I wasn't there. Okay. So I, this is the way that they operate. They operate in the dark. So this is part of what, um, happens to the world health organization. If you watch the actual, um, plenary session on the floor, it's really boring. Um, but because all the action is going on um, in these rooms, these back rooms where there's no reporting, there's no television, there's no accountability. Um, So when you say, did they purposely not define the terms or, you know, all, all I can say is my opinion. My opinion is they purposely did not define them. That's my opinion because these are not stupid people. Okay. Right. It's not like they didn't understand that what they were doing was vague. I, I think that whatever they do is deliberate because they're smart right. and, they, and they know what they're doing. So that's my opinion. I think that, that you know, when, when you have really vague terms and you can just manipulate it whatever way you want to fit the circumstances. And that's, see, I have a, a prejudice. It's difficult for me, Reggie, to believe that people smart enough to rise to the level uh, that these people are at are also stupid enough to forget to define the word pandemic. Um, and I was, I was struck listening to, I mentioned Janet Parshall earlier. You gave an example that, for instance, you mentioned the, the horrible shootings, and, and I view that as a, as a mental health issue, and we should talk about that in regard to One Health. Uh, but if there's a spate of these, uh, or there's people going to social media to say, man, a lot of people are talking about gun violence or so-called gun violence, and man, there's a lot of gun owners in my area, and they're starting to open carry, and um, they, they would allow social media posts, as I understand it, to be an indicator of an epidemic, is that correct? Right, so, so, so the thing about the gun violence is that it's verifiable, okay? Right. There's a report about a tragedy, it's all over the news, there's no question that it happened. So what I was talking to Janet about is that, that under these amendments, which have been tabled, they're not defeated, um, what the US was saying was that uh, that the World Health Organization could move in and start basically running um, our, our health. And, and you know, and, and I just, and I just want to say this. It's not just health. Okay, so, so what they say, I'm, and now I'm reading from the zero draft of the, um, 
of, of this pandemic treaty, which is a whole other thing. But it's like they want a whole of government and a whole of society approach. Okay, what's a whole of society approach? It means that that that, that you know you can you can get any aspect of society that they can get any aspect of society under their domination. Yeah. You know, to, to 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 fight something. So what I was saying to to Janet was, in these amendments, Article Twelve. Um, is, which is a report of a health event that, that, the, that the director general, and so there's a huge amount of power that is concentrated in the, in the hands of Tedros, who has ties to the China, you know, to, to communism and the Chinese Communist Party. Um, that a, the report of a, of a health-related event can come from anywhere, including the public domain. So, so, so let's say that there are several people who say, you know, I don't know what they say. Um, I'm getting some lesions. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have fevers. And, 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 and they and they post it on Facebook or Twitter or something. The World Health Organization can take those postings to the side that there's a health event, and then just move right in without consulting or obtaining verification from the United States or any other country. And and I took that meaning and understood that, and and I don't want to remain stuck to the gun topic. I'm using that because I want people to understand open-ended terms are just that. And it could be so-called gun violence. It could be fevers. Um, it could be mental health related that it can be anything they want it to be. It, it could be mm-hmm. a series of protests of people saying, Hey, I don't think the election was square. Right. I mean, is, is that, right. is that overreaching that the World Health Organization can say, wow, a lot of people have a mental illness of believing that the election wasn't fairly conducted. Is it that open-ended that the World Health Organization could come and say, wow, we have a, a, a an epidemic of mental health um, problems because some people don't think the election was fair. Well, I don't, you see, I, I don't think that that's overreaching from what they wanted to do. All right. So, on February 7th, I believe it was, um, the DHS uh, came out with a, um, w- with a domestic terrorism uh, bulletin where they defined many groups as domestic, domestic terrorists, but among those groups was those who believe in widespread election fraud. And COVID, and they didn't say anything about it. They didn't define COVID. Um, so what I'm saying is, you know, if our own government can define as domestic terrorists, people who believe that there was electric fraud, you know, uh, why couldn't the World Health Organization say these people are mentally ill? I mean, you, you know, you would think that somebody would be mentally ill to become a, a domestic terrorist. Um, but yeah. So, 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 so there's a whole there's a whole other aspect to this that's really really important, okay? Which is this this amendment proposed something called that they called a compliance committee, all right? So the compliance committee is going to be appointed. And by the way, none of these people are elected. I mean, the World Health Organization is not elected. It's an arm of the United Nations. All these people are are, are appointed. So these are a bunch of unelected bureaucrats that are, are not funded mostly by the nations, but they have a lot of private funding, including a large amount of funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation. 
so there's that whole connection as well of, of, you know, the World Health Organization doing things that, you know, that benefit the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and, and Bill and Melinda Gates are very heavily, um, I mean, I guess they're divorced now, but Bill Gates is very heavily uh, invested in vaccines um, so that you would get a situation where there's a conflict of interest, where it would be to his benefit to um, put down early treatment. Yep. Like hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin or the, that whole, you know, uh, protocol yep. in favor of, of vaccinations. And, and that's wrong. It's wrong for something that has the power and the trust that the WHO used to have the trust to be compromised by private interests that might be driving an agenda that is not health driven, but is profit driven. Yes. And I want to explore that. And, and I also want to bring into this because you've got such expertise in dealing with the Chinese Communist Party, their hands on the World Health Organization. We'll continue to chat here with Reggie Littlejohn. The links to her websites are in the show notes. Please, please avail yourselves of that and consider donating for the work that she's doing. Hey, listen, when you're talking to someone as smart as Reggie is, got to be on your game. You know me, I'm a caffeine hound. And it's kind of funny that I spent my life pursuing caffeine as simply an energy system, and it never occurred to me it could be a delicious experience. I'm, I'm a coffee snob. I, and look, I have to offer apologies now to all my friends who are wine snobs or wine connoisseurs. I apologize. You found your thing. You like rotten grape juice. <laughs> Sorry. That's just not me. My wife loves wine. She loves it. She loves a good glass of wine. Most of my friends do. I'm the outcast. But now I've got my coffee snobbery, except it's with God Country Team. It's Bone Frog Coffee. It was a company started by a 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL because, hey, number one, let's provide for the family. God Country Team. God gave us family, gave us a country that still, even though it's getting really screwed up, that provides us the opportunity to build great companies and then team. So he, he lives those out, Tim Kirkshank does, at his company, Bonefrog Coffee. God, well, it's right there on the package. He speaks very openly. He came and spoke at our event in Bothell. This man speaks proudly the word of God. Not with human pride, but in, 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 in general, in, in great gratitude for the word of God. Um, country, well, I mean, he's a combat vet, so we got that. And then team, everything at Bonefrog is about trying to hire vets, uh, working with veteran suppliers when they can, veteran-owned suppliers, and then giving back proceeds from Bonefrog Coffee go to the families of fallen Navy SEAL heroes. And yeah, it goes right down to the quality. I'll give you this taste challenge. Just, just taste it. There's a bunch of people who signed up for the subscription plan at uh, bonefrog.us. You get 5% off lifetime. This is my challenge for the people who have not tried this because you're thinking, hey, I got my coffee. That's a great story, Todd. I'm going to support the podcast in other ways. I'll share it with friends. I'll use some of the other partners, but I'm wedded to my coffee. So was I, although I didn't care for the taste. It was just a caffeine delivery system. I'm issuing you a challenge. Try the Bonefrog. It's bonefrog.us. That's bonefrog.us. So Reggie, in the background of all this for me is the place where the virus we're told began. Um, a country that you speak of things happening in darkness and behind closed doors. Well, goodness gracious, the, the Chinese Communist Party, I think, embodies that behavior. 
Uh, and I think of the World Health Organization and, and Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum. But unmentioned so often in this is the Chinese Communist Party. Um, they love vaccine passports. And in fact, Pfizer helped design vaccine passports for them beginning in 2019, helped fund that effort. And we know Pfizer has our best interests at heart. Uh, so what is the role, as you see it, of the Chinese Communist Party interacting with the World Health Organization, who is trying this end around to steal American sovereignty? Well, first of all, um, when you go back to the beginning of the pandemic, China was lying to the world. They said that there was no human-to-human transmission. Um, when President Trump wanted to stop international trade, um, travel from China. They said, oh, you're just a racist. And, um, and Tedros, head of the WHO, went along with what China was saying and helped spread their errors. And so then we ended up with an, an international pandemic because what China was doing is the, the, the um, virus started, the outbreak was in Wuhan. So what they did is they stopped all flights from Wuhan internally within China to stop the spread within China, but they allowed flights from Wuhan to go all over the world. Mm -hmm. So if that's not deliberately spreading um, the disease all over the world, I don't know what is. And Tedros went along with all of that. So, um, so anyway, so, so China is, is very um, powerful in the World Health Organization and and then the World Health Organization just adopted the China model. Lockdowns have never been a part of, of public health. China said, oh, we've had tremendous success with these lockdowns in Wuhan. Of course, no one could verify that. No one could verify what kind of success um, that they had. But I I will tell you what I saw on on YouTube, for example, was uh, people being dragged out of their homes, thrown into vans, into quarantine places where they were getting no health care at all. And people were just dying if if they were positive. Um, And then also people getting... Um, soldered, like soldered into their apartment building. So there'd be like one entrance or exit to an apartment building. They were soldering them in there, you know, and that's very similar to what's going on in, in, in Shanghai. Yeah. Um, so this is the China model. And all of a sudden it was put out internationally. Um, now, the, the thing is this. I, I mentioned this compliance committee, okay, that, that the U.S. Uh, was proposing. So it's appointed, and, it, and this is a quote, it shall be responsible for monitoring, advising on, and or facilitating assistance on matters related to compliance, okay? So this is like, okay, this is, this is, this is where they get into the surveillance. I mean, it's like monitoring. How are you going to monitor compliance unless you have something like a vaccine passport or a digital health ID? So, so this is, the, um, the excuse that they have to surveil us all. And then in this um, pandemic, uh, we've got the zero draft of the pandemic, um, the, the global pandemic tr- treaty. There's, there's, there's a um, section called, on page 13, called global surveillance. I mean, they're not hiding. They're not hiding that they want to completely surveil us. Um, and it says here, you know, that, that they have expressed a strong interest in the application of a one-health approach that the world would yield significant, you know, uh, benefits. So, in, in my opinion, and this is my opinion, um, they are what they're doing with the treaty 
And with the um, amendments, is they're setting up a global infrastructure that would benefit from pandemics. Because you have to have a pandemic um, in, in order to justify the expense of all of this. So they're going to be constantly monitoring for pandemics, and they're going to be trying to find them. Um, and, and, and so, and the monitoring is going to be like the, the, the vaccine passport, um, like the China social credit system. And, and this is something I'd like uh, the listeners to understand. The vaccine passport is quietly being rolled out all over the world and including in the United States. Um, and the World Health Organization has hired Deutsche, um, Deutsche Telekom to create these global international vaccine passports. And you can call it a vaccine passport. You can call it a digital health ID. You can start, call it a smart health card. It doesn't matter what you call it. If this is a mandatory digital ID that's, that you carry on your phone, then according to tech experts, all the functionality of the China social credit system can be attached to that very quickly. So in China, they have something called the social credit system and they surveil all these things and they put them into a central database that comes up with a number and that number is, is, has to do with how, how, what kind of a Chinese citizen you are. Like, you know, are, are, you a, are you a compliant Chinese citizen? Meaning, do you never say no to the government? Do you, do you keep your head down? You know, do, do, you, um, you know, do you not make any waves ever? Uh, if you do that, then you can uh, have what, what seems like a normal life. But if you make waves, if you post something on social media, um, critical of the government or um, go to a protest or whatever, your, your social credit score will, will fall. And what that will mean is that you might lose your job. You will not be able to borrow money. So you won't be able to buy a home. Um, your kid will not go into the, to, uh, the school that you want them to go to. You will not be able to travel. And if you keep it up, then they, what they can do is turn off your connection to your credit card and your bank account so that you have, no access to money. And we saw this happen in Canada. Don't right. think it can't happen in the West. And right. then the worst thing that they can do is just disappear you because they have real time geolocation and facial recognition. But, but, the, but all that stuff in the United States is currently tracked. It's not just centralized in the central database and the vaccine passport, digital health ID, um, smart health card will provide the platform for it all to be tracked. So I, I want to say the things that are being tracked, okay? Um, uh, facial recognition, gait recognition, how you walk, yep. um, real-time geolocation. So they know what you look like. They know, you know, uh, where you are, your network of relationships. Like if you're sitting at a table with friends, yep. they're tracking all of that. They know who your friends are, all your social media posts, your internet search history, Right. So have you ever searched something on the Internet that you, that the government might not like? They will have a, a record of that. Your Internet spending history, you know, um, and and also um, your credit cards and your bank account are all on there. And so if you get into a situation where you're being surveilled to the nth degree uh, <clears throat> and then you have a cashless society, which, uh, which people are, which the governments are, are pushing for that if they turn off your bank account and your, and your credit card, what, 
are you going to do? What You can't pay your mortgage. You can't pay your rent. You can't buy gas. You can't buy food. It, it's a way of completely paralyzing a person, which is why we had this webinar called Digital Gulag on Vaccine Passports in a Cashless Society. We have to oppose these things. Well, and, and this audience uh, with which the Lord has blessed me has been, we've been, we've been talking about this since I took the show private and I started to do that on commercial radio as well. And, and I was never stopped from talking about these things. Uh, I think that people need to understand your red states, so-called look, this stuff, the, the governor of Utah loves this stuff. They're pushing out the digital ID um, in Utah and he loves it. So this is, this is devoid of party. Uh, I believe this is so very, very big. It's devoid of party. Um, and this is some of the reasons, guys, in the show, we talk about, you know, own things that God made right? when you can. Otherwise, they have these levers over you. Reggie, you're very careful and very ethical. And I love that. It's, it's, it's a great quality. I want to ask you um, a, a question that's going to require you to do a little bit of supposition. And this is given the circles in which you run and in my judgment, the evil that you confront. What animates people? Uh, <laughs> so, what, 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 animates, what animates people to want to literally control every drop of, of humanity? What, what animates them? Well, right. I mean, there's, there's no way I can say, you know, what animates them. I mean, I can speculate they're, yeah. they're a bunch of, you know, sociopaths. I mean, you know? I agree. <laughs> I agree. I mean, what else can you say? But, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not a psychiatrist. I yeah. can't diagnose them. I mean, um, so, I mean, so I mean, throughout history, you've seen people who are incredibly greedy and megalomaniacs. Um, power hungry, but the the thing that's different between you know the megalomaniac in history and now is that we've got this um, this digital. They have the ability to surveil you digitally and and know every intimate detail of your life in a way now that they didn't before. Like before you could escape, you can't, there's no escape. This is why we have to oppose this now. Um, you know, and, and also, I mean, I just, I, you know, I believe in the presence of evil. I think that this is evil. And, yeah. you know, I mean, what can I say? They're, you know, in psychological terms, maybe they're psychopaths or sociopaths. And, you know, in spiritual terms, I just think that they've given themselves over to, to evil. So that's my opinion. Yeah. And I, I point this out that um, the God of the universe is, is pro-choice. He's also pro-responsibility. Uh, okay. You know, I'm always, I, I read the gospels and, and, and sometimes I, I watch the Lord Jesus or read him debate people. And, and just once it would have been really satisfying if he said, Hey, how about if I turn you into a salamander for just a little bit? And you know, and then you can understand I could do, but he doesn't, you know, he debates the ideas um, and, and I, I look at people who are animated to control the lives of other others to the nth degree. And I can't come to any other conclusion, uh, myself, Reggie, myself is that it's evil. And so I will uh, pray the Lord's protection over you and, and what you do. And I want to thank you for, for being this voice and, and being brave and, and confronting this. And the links to Reggie's websites are in the show notes. I encourage you to support her. 
just one last question. How did you make it out of Yale and have your head together this way? Um, I didn't have my head together <laughs> this way when I made it out of Yale. I mean, when, when, when I, when I went to the Yale law school and yeah. I also went to the Yale seminary, I went to both. Okay. Oh, wow. Um, I was very, very far to the left. Uh-huh. Um, so what brought you back? it's a long story as to how I became red pilled, but, okay. um, you know, that's, that's a whole interview in itself. Okay. But, um, but so I, 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 I wasn't, I was part of the Yale community. I was just a, a very enthusiastic supporter of everything that Yale, you know, stood, stands for, um, which is very, very far to the left. And I just was naive, you know? Yeah. Well, man, I am so glad that you're back and I thank you for that. Um, thank you so much for, for granting us the gift of your time and your wisdom. And I would just ask that you go with God's good grace. Well, you too, Tom. Ah, wow. Oh yeah. We're the conspiracy theorists, right? <laughs> ha! Okay. So there you go. That's, that's the plan guys. That's the plan. And we've been saying it since three days into the COVID flu. Three days, well, into the lockdown. And I would have been saying it on day one had I not been asked to to let it go for three days. Hey, (laughs) everything Reggie just mentioned plays into this fact. Like there is a financial system. These people run it. My friend Zach Abraham knows how to hack it. Not not illegally, not in terms of being a computer hacker. That's not what I'm saying. I think you understand what I'm saying. That he understands how to operate within it in a way that actually protects our retirement. And here's the deal with, with Zach's zealous focus at Boer Capital Management on risk management. When he talks about hedging a thing, it, my concept of Zach's investment theory in application is that uh, for every bet, there's a counter bet. And in this way, he protects his investment because he sees himself uh, as, you know, his investments. He protects ours because he sees us as uh, he's himself as stewarding our monies because we are asked to steward that. The Lord grants us these things to steward. So he understands that if you're to retire, let's say that you're planning retirement in a year and it comes down to six months and you're locked but you're not hedged with the powers that that Reggie just described, you could see a boom, 60% disappearance in your net worth. Boom. That's risk. What what does 20% do? Right? So board capital management's focus on this is a focus on wise management. Certainly they want to earn a bunch of money for you. Obviously. But that doesn't work so well when the the buckets the, the bottom of the bucket is gone. It drops out. So get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management to talk about your risk for retirement. Where do you look like? Can you retire now? You might be able to retire early. I would do that. I'd get it locked in. It's 866-779-RISK. That's how you reach them on the phone, 866-779-RISK. If you prefer to set something up, have them give you a call, then you can go to knowyourriskradio.com. By the way, do subscribe to Zach's podcast, knowyourriskradio.com. Get that there as well. Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative, Trek Financial LLC, and SEC registered investment advisor. 
Notes, Gregory, Todd, your message in hour two on 6622 really touched me. That was the message uh, where I begged you to really pray about, are you living in the place God would have you live? And you may well be, but uh, with what the party is doing and what's going on in the separate countries, I am begging you to, to, and I mean, pray, 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 ask for guidance. Greg continues, first of all, I've been a fan of your radio show since around 2018. We're about the same age and have both worked in tech. I still write code. I also became a believer later in life at 33. I became a political conservative around the same time. I co-led the Seattle Tea Party Patriots from 2011 to about 2014. It was a small group, as you might guess. After 53 years, I left my lifelong home of Seattle for many reasons. Seattle's obvious decline being a big one. We moved to the Tampa, Florida area, and we feel much more at home. I'm also an Emerald City exile. Most of my coworkers are here are believers, which, as you know, would almost never happen in the Seattle area, especially in tech. For years, I've joked that I'd have to leave Seattle before the Civil War. Now, looking at things, I think our move may have been God-directed. I didn't pray. I did indeed pray about it before we moved, and I believe God blessed the move. Anyhow, your admonition to move from the separate countries really hit a chord with me today. In him, Greg Moon from Riverview, Florida. Greg, thank you for the note. And I didn't tell people to move. I don't know you unless I've met you. And in that case, I, I don't get to direct people to move. But what I suggested, and I'm, I'm not even suggesting, I am begging you to pray about it because look, there are street soldiers. Antifa are the street soldiers of the party. You notice that these people who call themselves anti-fascists also want to see people locked down against their will? Does that seem to be a contradiction to you? Of course it's a contradiction. They're not anti-fascists. They are, in fact, fascists, and we know that. But you notice how they also want war in Ukraine? Yeah, they, they want us, to, they want us to, to, to go fight the war in Ukraine. Oh, wait, wait. No, they're anarchists. No, they're not. They want a boss. The celebration and making icons of mental illnesses like gender dysphoria, dysphoria or gender rebellion, right? That's, that's, you think that's accidental? No, the, the design of, of, of many tyrannical regimes has been that you take people like that and you give them a home within your regime, but you have them do specific things. The gender rebellious are crashing churches. The abortion, not, not, not people who want to be able to make a terrible choice, but the people who celebrate it and, and, and love it, they're crashing churches. They're dividing churches. They're threatening people in the workplace. They are the thought, the, the thought foot soldiers fighting the thought crimes. They're the ones making people afraid to speak up. This is the environment in the separate countries. It does not turn around without the Lord's intervention. It does not. Is there going to be a, a, someone said the other day on Twitter to me, don't you believe that there's going to be a massive backlash? Yes. And when the right creates the backlash, then it's a political victory and people are going to go, that's it. Now we've won. No, you've won nothing. You've won a reprieve for your country, which is a fantastic consolation prize because I love America. It's a great consolation prize, but you've not won souls. You've not defeated the enemy. The Lord Jesus can do that. He will do that in his time and in, in, in the way he describes, but in his timing.
So I'm asking you to pray for that. Uh, another note uh, on, in, on the topic of the show. Todd, the first hour of your show today reminded me of a speaker we recently had at Cedar Park Church. He spoke about understanding the command of genocide in the Old Testament in light of a good God. One of the points he made revolved around the statement God makes to Abraham in Genesis 15, verse 16. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. There's a lot packed into this, but to briefly summarize, God is saying that the Amorites are engaging in all manner of immorality, but they're still not worthy of righteous judgment. The speaker goes on to list all the immoral acts the Amorites ultimately will pay with their lives for. Sexual sin, child sacrifice, we're topping the list at the end of the night. As I was packing up the video gear, I was able to be, um, I was able um, to, uh, to, I was able to, as a speaker, I, I think talk to the speaker. In the USA, we have child sacrifice down through abortion. We have all manner of sexual sin being celebrated and even co- um, codified in our laws. So where is America on God's iniquity meter? He didn't give a definite answer, but he suggested that we'll be considered complete our iniquity when things get to the point of generational acceptance um, of expectation, which you and I see as aberrant. Lord, revive our country, bring us back from the edge of a cliff that would plunge us to utter destruction should we fall over it. Well, look, I think it's great that you're bringing into this the Old Testament because some people just want to pretend that the Old Testament doesn't matter. And Eric, I think I remember meeting you at Cedar Park Church. It was a great experience. Folks, the Lord is patient and he is anxious to forgive. And he's anxious to grant forgiveness. And one day he'll stop. You know, that day, we don't know the timing, but one day he'll stop. And I fully believe that every head will turn and realize, not every head, because it's a, it's a period of unfolding, but people are going to turn and realize, oh, I'm reminded, oh, that's, oh, wow, that really is God. I'm reminded of this story of a guy who was going to jump off the San Francisco Bridge, the Golden Gate Bridge. And there's a video documentary about people who make that leap and survive. It's a whole story about that bridge shot over a period of many, many years as they observed people walking out. Some people jumped. They planted cameras up on Mount Tamapias, which creates that iconic view of the bridge with the, with the fallen city, the absolutely fallen, ruined city of San Francisco in the background. And this guy had gone up to the bridge and he told the story because he survived this. And nothing worked. Everything was broken. He tried to get his courage up. And a few times he crawled over the railing and, and, and then, you know, to safety. And then, no, I, I have to do this. There's no way out. And just crawled back over to lean over the bridge. No one came to stop him. And he said that when he let his hands go and began to fall, he realized at that moment he had made an incredible mistake but it was too late. Now he was redeemed from death, from that death. The too late with the Lord, there is a time at which it will be too late. 
I believe that with what we talked about with Reggie today, the Lord is giving us a practice run at saying no. I believe that the Lord, and this is me, this is my interpretation of things. I believe the Lord is giving us a practice run at saying no to tyranny, at saying no to thou sh- you won't be able to buy or sell. It's not yet the bark of the beast because the beast hasn't announced himself, but it's, it's a great trial run. And if we flunk this trial run, we aren't going to resist the beast. If we can't resist, you know, Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and the Chinese Communist Party, we're not going to resist the beast. So even in this, the Lord is giving us practice. Even in this, there's kindness, of course. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and let's all endeavor to be right with God.